The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 60. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Macbeth with me, your host, Connor Hanretty. We've come to another of this play's most famous moments, Lady Macbeth's sleepwalking scene. It is among the most recognisable moments in all of Shakespeare, one that has been interpreted and performed in a huge variety of ways, some shocking, some moving, most of them talked about. It's a big challenge for the performer, since some of these words are so famous as to have become cliched and parodied almost as much as they've been performed in earnest. Lady Macbeth has entered with a candle, put it down, thanks to the genius of Sarah Siddons, and appears to be washing her hands while the doctor and the gentlewoman look on. Finally, Lady Macbeth speaks and says, Yet here is a spot. The hand-washing, however vigorous, isn't fully working, and she's still concerned that her hands are dirty. Just as we might be thinking it, the doctor acknowledges that she has spoken, and says, Hark, she speaks. I will set down what comes from her, to satisfy my remembrance the more strongly. He's saying that he will write down whatever Lady Macbeth says, so that he will remember it more strongly later. Lady Macbeth continues and speaks again. Out, damned spot. Out, I say. One. Two. Why then, tis time to do it. Hell is murky. Fie, my lord, fie, a soldier and a feared? What need we fear who knows it when none can call our power to account? Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? Out, damned spot, out, I say, is one of Shakespeare's most famous lines, and as a result it's hard to make it fresh or innovative or exciting on stage. All the woman is doing is trying to get that one last speck of blood off her hands. Of course, she's sleepwalking, so there's no actual blood or indeed water to wash it with. What follows are a sequence of fragments as they pass through Lady Macbeth's mind, like shards of a broken mirror, reflecting all that we have seen her experience in the play so far. First she hears the bell strike the time. One, two. This echoes the murder scene when Macbeth was waiting for her to strike the bell when it was time for action. Then tis time to do it. Hell is murky, she says, gloomy and very dark. We discussed the idea of a hell mouth in more detail back during the porter scene, but that night and its hellish sequence of events clearly haunts Lady Macbeth very badly. She seems to snap out of it next, much in the same way that she attempted to encourage Macbeth when he was worrying too. Fie, my lord, fie, a soldier and a feared. It's yet another use of manliness, here she's questioning how much of a soldier he really is if he's so scared. The next line gets edited and laid out on the page in different ways, sometimes breaking it into two questions and sometimes keeping it the bigger idea. It could be, what need we fear? Followed by, who knows it when none can call our power to account? Personally, I prefer a more joined up version, having Lady Macbeth ask, what need we fear who knows it when none can call our power to account? 
the point being that she doesn't seem to care if anyone knows they killed Duncan, since nobody can question their authority now that they rule Scotland. Of course, this is not something to be said aloud, and certainly not before witnesses, but the conceit is, of course, that she's sleepwalking and saying things she's not conscious she's revealing. Worse yet, her last line in this segment is, Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? There was a belief that as people age, the quantity of blood in their veins or their system would reduce over time. There's a great speech in Much Ado About Nothing, where Leonato, the angry patriarch, insists that time hath not yet so dried this blood of mine that he will not speak out against the injustice of his daughter being publicly shamed at her wedding. Here, Lady Macbeth seems to implicate herself in Duncan's murder with the wide-eyed statement that she never would have imagined that so much blood would have come out of him, making us and the two listeners assume that she saw it coming out of Duncan. The doctor is amazed and asks, Do you mark that? It's almost as though he's confirming that he isn't alone in hearing this shocking information. But Lady Macbeth continues with more broken lines and broken thoughts. The Thane of Fife had a wife. Where is she now? What, will these hands ne'er be clean? No more of that, my lord, no more of that. You mar all with this starting. First she asks about Lady Macduff. The Thane of Fife had a wife. Where is she now? Might she also be in hell or perhaps in heaven? Lady Macbeth knows at least she's missing or dead. Next she returns this focus to washing herself. Perhaps she must assume that the blood of Macduff's family is also on her hands. She feels like they will never be clean. And again she snaps into damage control mode, insisting, no more of that, my lord, no more of that. You mar all with this starting. This is a great throwback to Macbeth's jitters after the murder and his worry at hearing the knocking at the door. Lady Macbeth is magnificent, chilling even, in her management here. A little water clears us of the deed, you'll remember. Put on your nightgown, she said. Let's get to bed. No more starting, indeed. Of course, now she's the one wandering the halls in her sleep, in her nightgown, desperately trying to get all this blood off her hands. The doctor feels almost sheepish now, concerned that the gentlewoman might blab this information and turn it into an issue of national security. He says, Go to, go to, you have known what you should not. You shouldn't have heard that, he's saying. But the gentlewoman has an appropriate reply. She has spoke what she should not, I am sure of that. Heaven knows what she has known. Whatever about me not hearing it, she shouldn't have said it, the gentlewoman is saying. And God only knows what Lady Macbeth has seen and what she knows, but isn't talking about. As these two try to argue or whisper and hope not to startle the sleepwalker, she speaks again. Here's the smell of the blood still. All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Oh, oh, oh. There's a particularly clever use of the senses here. Even if Lady Macbeth thinks she's cleared off that damned spot, or achieved some reprieve, now she realises she can still smell the blood. 
and she imagines that all the perfumes of Arabia, the main source of spices and perfume ingredients at the time, could not sweeten her hand or make the smell go away. Here she's starting to sound like her husband, in that kind of poetic exaggeration and hyperbole. He worried that all the seas of the world would turn red from the blood of his hands rather than washing them, and now she doubts that even all the perfume she could get her hands on would do anything to relieve her guilt. Next, the text gives Lady Macbeth three O's. Cries like this are always difficult, whether in Greek tragedy or in Shakespeare, because we get a bit nervous of them these days. But it's an opportunity to express great emotion on stage, unencumbered by words or meaning. And in response to it, the doctor exclaims, What a sigh is there! The heart is sorely charged. It doesn't take even a doctor to see that Lady Macbeth is completely overwhelmed by all that she has seen and knows. Her heart, or her conscience, is very overburdened, sorely charged indeed. The gentlewoman agrees. I would not have such a heart in my bosom for the dignity of the whole body. She's saying that she wouldn't trade with Lady Macbeth at all. She wouldn't want a heart burdened with so many problems, even if it meant she could be queen, with all the dignity or honours that that would bring with it. The doctor is about to say more and starts with, well, 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 but the woman cuts him off, saying, pray God it be, sir. She's hoping that all will be well and converts his talk, well, 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 leading presumably to something else, into a little prayer that things will be all right. The doctor now explains that this disease is beyond my practice. Yet I have known those who have walked in their sleep who have died holily in their beds. He does not have expertise in cases like this. This disease is beyond the medicine he normally practices. But he says he does know of some people who were sleepwalkers, who lived their lives and then died holily, as in not weighed down by the guilt of crimes of murder or regicide, in their sleep. He's saying that the sleepwalking isn't a sign of anything murky per se, although Lady Macbeth's own words are very compromising indeed. She speaks again now. Wash your hands. Put on your nightgown. Look not so pale. I tell you yet again, Banquo's buried. He cannot come out on's grave. Just in case we hadn't heard enough unwitting confessions, Lady Macbeth now moves on to Banquo. Wash your hands, put on your nightgown, look not so pale. These are all echoes of the Duncan murder on its own, but now she's flipping and changing the subject to the next murder. She's reassuring Macbeth that Banquo is dead and buried and cannot possibly come out of his grave. All of this is wrong, of course, since Banquo may not even have been buried at all, and certainly we've seen his ghost appear to Macbeth at that banquet. Unless the body was found... Nobody is supposed to know that Banquo was murdered. Perhaps everyone still thinks he's just missing. So now Lady Macbeth is appearing to announce that he's dead. And if so, and she's having to calm her husband again, perhaps this is another admission that they were both involved. The doctor is hearing this and exclaims, Even so? Essentially, they also killed Banquo? But before he can say any more, Remember, he's also supposed to be writing all of this down. Lady Macbeth speaks again. 
to bed. To bed, there's knocking at the gate. Come, 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 come. Give me your hand. What's done cannot be undone. To bed, to bed, to bed. Back to the management of that first awful night, Lady Macbeth is again both in control and out of control. Something shifts in her and she realises that it's definitely time to get back to bed. She hears that knocking at the gate all over again. She implores her husband to get moving and to give her his hand. There's so much room for pain and poetry in this. Give me your hand could be a marital gesture. His hands are also stained with all this blood. And of course Macbeth has been very visibly drifting away from her throughout the play. So we might get a sense even in this distracted waking dream that Macbeth doesn't give her his hand. One final flash of clarity, an essential truth that sounds all the more painful in this moment. What's done cannot be undone. It's a great gift for an actress to play around with this line. Is she totally lucid? Does she look straight at us? Is she realising, even in her sleep, that all is lost? Any of these and countless more could be applied. And then she gathers herself and scrambles away, crying to bed, to bed, to bed, presumably trying to pull or drag Macbeth off with her. It's such a powerful scene because it shows us, long before the idea of the subconscious mind was ever articulated or studied, a glimpse of a person in turmoil. Lady Macbeth has been so impressive and so controlled throughout. This scene is like an eruption from her heat-oppressed brain. It's quite an extraordinary turn and a remarkable way to expand and even destroy this character. We will not see her in the play again. The worsening of her relationship with her husband is catastrophic and the mental effects of all this guilt and pressure and loneliness are a really startling end to this character's on-stage time. The Doctor and the Gentlewoman have a little more to tell us, but we'll save their wrap-up for next week, which will need to be short anyway, because I have a show opening next weekend. So, with your indulgence, we will leave it there. Thanks a million for your company, as ever, and I'll speak to you, however briefly, in the next episode. <laughs>